the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God is making us into something so literally our lives can be a piece of workmanship written by the hand of God. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we are starting a brand new message titled, A Lifestyle That Counts. Let's jump in. Have you ever considered how much our life matters to those that are around us? How much our lifestyle really counts and realizing the choices that we make, those choices can and will affect the people that are around us, especially those we don't even know. Because why? Well, people watch us. People know that you're a Christian at school, if you're still in college or you're working. I mean, people know that we're believers, you know, and the words that we speak the life that we live out, the example we leave. I think we have all met people that their lives, you know, have a great amount of integrity in them. And those people, they stand out in our culture. People with integrity, they stand out. Why is that? Because there are many in our city here that simply don't care. There are many that are not trustworthy that are around us. There are many that take advantage of others that live around us. I think about how many people at Core Church serve here seeking nothing in return. They show up every week and they serve faithfully. They can be trusted and relied on. You know who you are, you know, and God sees you and he sees your faithful labor of love to him. You know, we have people on the cameras, you know, we have three services that are live broadcast. And so there's people watching all over the United States right now. We have 19 stations on the East Coast, uh, radio stations, and people have downloaded our app through the whole United States. So we have tons of people that, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's ladies on the computer that people are watching live and they can actually make comments and they'll respond to them and pray for them and what have you. It's like things happen. We have parking lot people that help you park in our small parking lot. You know, it's like, you know, we have greeters, you know, people that are behind the scenes that you don't even know, but yet everyone matters here because people come and they serve because they're really serving the Lord. You know, uh, being a man or woman of great integrity in our day and in our culture, you know, outside of the church matters also. It's not just coming here and being super faithful here, but it's having integrity outside of the church for this will open the biggest doors and opportunity for us to openly share about our faith, which those that are not following Jesus need to hear. See, we all need to understand that our actions speak louder than words. Yes, what we do and how we live, it absolutely matters. So it comes back to the fact that our lifestyle counts. We as Christians can never consider it pointless. It's all a part of our new life in Christ. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119 verse 1, It says, how blessed are those whose way is blameless, 
who walk in the law of the Lord. Yes, those who walk in the law of the Lord, those who desire to be blameless and please the Lord in their life, guess what? That matters. To literally walk blamelessly is not a person whose life is perfect. Why is that? Because none of us are perfect. But it's the person who is pursuing the walk blamelessly, meaning we're striving to please the Lord by living according to his word. It's becoming more than just a hearer of the word of God, but it's really becoming a doer of the word of God. That's the person who God says will be blessed. Now, that word blessed in the original Hebrew language that's used there in Psalm 119, it means that you will be a happy person or literally happiness will surround you. So when God says, blessed are you, he's saying, I will pour my happiness upon you. Yes, God's joy will be added to us. And I think living here in Los Angeles, a little more happiness and joy is not going to hurt anything. It'll go a long ways here you know, in our lives and in the lives of those around us. I think about Solomon, the son of King David. After his father, David, had died, the kingdom was passed down to him. And he was totally and completely overwhelmed. And for good reason. Why is that? He's taken over from his dad, King David. His dad was bigger than life. He was a national hero. He slew the giant named Goliath when he was just a teenage boy. When he was a teenager, he was also put in charge of the Israeli military. He conquered all of Israel's enemies. He became the undisputed king of then a divided Israel. He brought them back together. He drove the Jebusites out of Jerusalem and made Jerusalem the capital of Israel. Then he brought the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God back to Jerusalem. And that, as you know, was a huge feat in itself. He brought peace to their borders. He brought incredible prosperity to their land. He, as the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. He brought true worship back to the people as he wrote the majority of the Psalms. And when you go to the book of Psalms, know that those are not just little poems or just little writings. They were all to be sung to the Lord for his glory. The Apostle Paul makes mention of that, by the way, in Ephesians 5.19, he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Yes, that's why we have this time of worship beforehand, to glorify and magnify our Lord as we sing those psalms and hymns to him. Yes, without question, Solomon was petrified about taking over the kingdom of Israel. How in the world would he rule in the place of his father, the king? You know, he spoke all of those concerns to the Lord in total prayer. And he's like, oh God, I don't even know what to do here. So then God says to him, why don't you ask me for whatever you want? Now, think about that. You can have whatever you want. Now, if I was to say to you, you can have whatever you want, just ask me. And you might say, well, I want a Ferrari. And then I'll say, well, I was thinking about the three taco deal at El Pollo Loco, okay? I, I have a budget of like five bucks. Could you keep it within five bucks, okay? So, so me telling you, ask whatever you wish, you're only going to get so far with that. But when the God of creation says, ask whatever you wish, nothing's off the table, what would you say to that? 
Well, Solomon thought about that and he said, well, this is what I really need. I need your wisdom to govern your people. There is no way that I can just take over after my dad. I need the wisdom of God to govern your people. And God says, you know, I like that. You didn't ask for money. You asked for wisdom. So I'm telling you what, I'm going to make you the wisest man that's ever going to live on planet earth. Before you now and afterwards, there will never be anyone as wise as you. And I'm going to make you rich too, since you didn't even ask for it. And know this, Solomon didn't have gold by the ounce. He didn't have it by the pound. He had it by the ton, tons of gold. He was the richest man that ever lived on the face of the earth. So yes, that's what he asked God and that's what God answered him. But then God also said to this to him in 1 Kings 3.14, he says, if you walk in my ways and you keep my statutes, Solomon, and you keep my commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. This was exactly what David was trying to share with Solomon when he was dying on his deathbed. And he shared this. He said in 1 Chronicles 28, 9, he says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. Know him. Don't know about him. Know him and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and he understands every intent of your thoughts. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Wow. Think about that. Isn't the same go for all of us here today? We are all called to know God. But once we've asked Jesus Christ into our heart as our Savior and our Lord, we know that he immediately forgives us of our sin. And he gives us the hope of heaven. But that's not where it ends. That is not where it ends. Just coming to know Christ. Well, I'm saved now. I guess that's it. No, that is just the beginning. Once we come to know Christ as our Savior, now we are called to walk with him. Yes, from the moment we came to Christ, God desires us to walk with him, to become like him, to really embrace him and let him be known literally to all that are around us through our lifestyle in our day in and day out living. Well, today we're going to look in the book of 1 Thessalonians and we will consider three points in light of our title, A Lifestyle That Counts. Number one, learning to walk. We must learn to walk with God because it's not the same walk that we had before Christ. Before Christ, we just kind of did whatever we want. We went wherever we wanted to go and we lived in sin and what have you. But now he says, now I want you to walk after me. So we have to learn how to walk after God. Number two, learning his word. We'll never learn how to walk with God if we don't learn from the word of God. And number three, becoming a joy. When we learn to walk with God, we learn to follow his word, we become a joy, not only to the Lord, but to those that are around us. Let's look at our first point here, learning to walk, as we read together in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, picking up in verse 10. It says, you are witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the people in Thessalonica where he had started a church. Verse 11, just as you know, how we were exhorting and encouraging and inspiring each of you, each one of you as a father would his own son, so that you would, here it comes, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord who calls you in his own kingdom and glory. Wow. So there it is. We are called to 
walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls us. What, what does that even mean to walk? Well, if you take this word and you look at the original language, it means to live and behave in a manner worthy of the God that calls us. So we are to live, we are to behave in a manner that would be well-pleasing to God. Now, as you know, when we first came into this saving relationship with Christ, we came just as we were, right? I mean, we just came just as we were, warts and all, you could say, meaning not one of us deserved it, but yet God didn't ask any of us to go clean ourselves up first. He didn't say, "Uh, excuse me, um, you're a little smelly from the world. Can you go clean these certain vices out of your life? Can you go get this rid of your life and then come back to me when you look a little bit more presentable? No. That's not what God said. He says, you just come as you are, just as you are. You know, he didn't say you have to make yourself free from any sin that you were caught up in. No, he says, you just come, come with your vices, come with your sin. You know, he also didn't ask us to take a written test on what we knew and understand about the Bible. Oh, you didn't pass the test. You know, you have to go to the back of the class. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say if we had to know a certain amount about the law of God. He didn't say, can you explain the gospel to me or any other doctrine in the Bible? He just simply said, you come to me just as you are. I love that verse in Ephesians 2.8. Amen, by the way. Yes. So he takes us all in just as we are. And he says in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no man should boast. By the way, our worship leader had no idea that I was going to give this message on grace today. And he sang that song, Grace Like Rain. But you know, grace here, what does it mean here? It means God's unmerited favor. Meaning we don't merit his favor. Now, I know a lot of us like to think that we're the best and we're wonderful and everything's great. And there's days that I think maybe you are great and you're wonderful and you do good things. But God looks at everything, looks at every aspect of our life. He looks at us when we wake up on the wrong side of the bed, when we're stinky and have a bad attitude. Okay, and don't think that you don't have that. Some of you do. You just hide it better than others. But the point is God sees us in our best, but he sees us in our worst. But he still loves us. And that's what grace is. God says, I give you my unmerited favor, meaning you can't merit this. There's nothing you can do to earn this. I simply give you my love. Yes, we can't earn salvation by good works because it was given to us by our maker, the creator of everything seen and unseen. Again, we're not worthy of God's love, but yet Jesus died for us. And he was great. Jesus was holy. Jesus was glorious. And Jesus paid the price for all of our sinfulness in his own body on the cross. His grace is now great in us because of who died for us, because of the great humiliation that Jesus suffered for us on the cross. And we must never forget that. He gives us his grace, his unmerited favor at no cost to all of us who seek after him by faith, to those who are willing to repent of their sin. This is consistent with what God has taught from the very beginning. Because if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, God established the way that sinful men and sinful women could stand before God. And it's by faith. And by faith alone, like we come to him. We didn't have to do anything else but just believe. Just believe that Jesus died, that he bore my sin on the cross, and that I could be born again. I just had to come by faith and faith alone. And that's where it all started with a man named Abraham. God promised Abraham 
a family that was so big, it would be like counting the stars of the sky or the sand on the beach. Ever try to count the grains of sand on a beach? You're going to be there for a little while. Let's just say that, okay? So he said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a family that's that big. And Abraham's thinking to himself, well, that's nice. Only one problem, God, in case you haven't noticed, I'm 75 years old and my wife is 65. Who knows? They could have been married 40, 50 years at that point. And it's like, you know, we've been married all this time and guess what? No babies have come. Don't you, if I'm going to have a giant family, don't you have to start with having some kids? Okay, so, you know, but he believed God. He just said, okay, if you say I'm going to have kids and I'm going to have a big family, okay, I'm going to believe you. So Abraham believed God when it didn't seem like it was going to happen. Genesis 15, 6 says this, Abraham believed the Lord and God reckoned it unto him as righteousness. So God reckoned that faith, that simple raw faith that just said, okay, I believe it. And he made it as righteousness. Righteousness is the word that just means right standings with God. So Abraham was brought into right standings. Look, Abraham sinned. He had a lot of issues. If you look at his life, you know, sinful issues come up and everything, but yet he was saved by faith and faith in God and God reckoned it unto him as righteousness. Now, because he believed God, 25 years later, it didn't happen overnight. 25 years later, when he was 100 years old and his wife was 90 they had their firstborn son, Isaac. Wow. Wow. It's like, it happened. I mean, I talk to people, it's like, yes, I've been praying to God for all this time, and it's like, nothing's happened. Well, how long have you been praying about it? Three days. (laughs) Okay, all right. Maybe you need to pray about it a little bit more. Abraham prayed about it for 25 years, but it happened. We're saved today, again, in this very same way. It's through faith by God's grace. Again, that God's unmerited favor. We don't deserve the grace of God. I've been a Christian for 44 years now and I've never deserved God's love because he knows who we really are. He knows that I mess up. He knows that it's like I'm a disaster sometimes, but yet God never stops loving me and never stops giving up on me. Yet God said again in Ephesians 2, 9, it is not as a result of your works or my works. It's not because we serve him or we don't serve him. It's not because we're just nice people. I'm just so nice. Look at me. I'm just a ball of cherries here. Okay, no. It's not for any other reason than God has chosen to love us first. And God established this principle again in the Old Testament. Consider what God told his people as they wandered in the wilderness about him giving them the promised land. Now, the people are wandering in the wilderness, heading towards the promised land. And what are the people like? Oh, they're like a, just wonderful people. No, they're complaining. They're, they're moaning. They're groaning. They're just they're, they're complaining about everything. They want to kill Moses. Like, why'd you bring us out here to the wilderness? It's like, we could have died in Egypt. But no, you brought us out here to die in the desert. And it's like, they're just bad attitude 101. But this is what God said to his people in Deuteronomy 9, 6, he says, know then it is not because of your personal righteousness that the Lord God has given you the good land to possess for you are a stubborn people. And that's true about us because, you know, look, the reality is some days we're nice people. Some days, you know, someone turns their turn signal on on the freeway and you let off the accelerator and you let them slide over. But what about all the other days and that turn signal goes on? You're putting on saying you're not getting in front of me. It's like, I mean, there's just the reality is we're nice sometimes, and the other times we're not so nice, okay? And that's why when Jesus talked about us sharing 
with other people about his great love. He said in Ezekiel 2.7, he says, but you shall speak my words whether they listen or not, for they're rebellious. So you're thinking, well, you know, Pastor, I tried to share my faith with a coworker one time and they just shut me down. So I'm not good at this. I'm not sharing anymore. You know, they just, they don't want to hear about God. Okay, well, didn't God just tell us that? But you shall share my words whether they listen or not, for they're rebellious. But the fact is God wants them to hear, but they don't really want to hear. He says, I know that. I know that they're rebellious. But weren't you rebellious at one point? Didn't I continue to pursue in your life? Aren't you now going to heaven because I continue to knock on the door of your heart? So these people that are stinky people that you work with, I want you to continue to share with them, whether they like it or not, because I want them to know that I love them. How about that? That's why God says that. So as we know, like we know that none of our good works can produce salvation. So does this mean that since we know that none of our good works can produce salvation, and since we know that the gift of God and eternal life is a free gift from him, it's by grace and by grace alone. So since I'm only saved by grace, since my good works aren't going to get me to heaven, so can I just go ahead and live in sin then? And then I'll be saved by grace? No, absolutely not. I like the way the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 6.1. He says, well, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase in my life? He says, no, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in sin? See, once we come to know Christ, before we, before we came to know Christ, we were a slave to sin. You're like, I'm not a slave to anybody. Well, you were a slave to sin. You know, you just did the things that were wrong and you just did them. That's what you did. But when we come to know Christ, we're no longer a slave to sin. Now, if you continue to live in sin, it's because you choose to live in that sin. But he breaks the bondage of sin in our life. So we don't have to live in sin anymore. We don't have to be burdened with it. Now, granted, we'll probably never be sinless this side of heaven, but we can sin less and sin less and sin less as we follow him. See, that's the whole point here. And in the meantime, while we're working this out in our life, we're saved by grace. But now we are to walk. There's that word again. We're to walk in the newness of life, the life that God gave us. Jesus said in John 15, 80, he says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. When you're my disciples, you'll have fruit. What is fruit? It's just a sign of good works. You're not doing the good works to get a pat on the back. You're just, you're changing your lifestyle. You're not living the same way you used to live. And that is what God has called us to do. But we must, again, God promises this new lifestyle as we repent of our sin, as we change from this lifestyle to the next lifestyle. We must understand, once we freely, freely come to know Christ and we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that's when God reveals our true purpose. See, until that, we're just aimlessly wandering. I'm going to school. I'm going to be this. I'm making money. I'm buying this. I'm buying that. I'm, I'm accumulating wealth. You know, whatever your thing is in life. But that's not your, that's not the end goal for. God has a purpose for you because people can pursue all these things. But why am I alive? Why am I still here? Like, is there something that I'm not seeing here? There's got to be something more to this life than what I'm living. See, once we come to Christ, then we see that God has created us for something else. Something else. Yeah, we still have to work. We still have to have families and support our families. But there's something else for us. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. There's that word walk again. We need to walk in this. He says we are his workmanship. What does that even mean? Well, that's actually an interesting word. Workmanship comes from the Greek word poema. It's where we get our English word poem. And it means that which is made. God is making us into something. So literally our lives can be a piece of, get this, literary workmanship written by the hand of God. How cool is that? That means that our conversion to Christianity, when we accepted Jesus into our hearts, that again is not the end. Like, okay, I came to know Christ. You wore me down. I'm a Christian. That's it. I'm done. No, you're not done. That's just the beginning of an entirely new lifestyle. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.